is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast. A podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Last time we heard about an African immigrant church in North Carolina that's reaching its community. I talk again to Jeff Sundell and ask him what he learned through the experience of mobilizing African immigrants to reach Americans. Yeah, and, and we were really sticking close to this. We we really found, um, and we talked before about the three touches, and I'm, I'm just going to walk you through these three touches because we were very intentional uh, with um, this African church to do this. So our first touch is the weekly or biweekly training where we just lay things out, who do you share with, what do you say, how do you make disciples. So that was our Wednesday night. That's our first touch. Um, our, our second touch, more or less, is this um, this training. So about four weeks in, we had a training on a Friday-Saturday, and we did a Friday-Saturday training. Again, they're, they're getting taught the same things they've already been taught, hmm. but we know people have to hear these three these things three times, more or less, to change the paradigm because they're, they're, they're operating a whole different paradigm. And, and just, then just, the other just thing before, is, with that, they've got to hear it three times. Is that before they go and implement, or are they hearing it once, having a go, hearing it again, having a go? Yeah, it's, it's sort of hear it go, hear it go, mm. and, you know, and getting them doing it. And, mm. um, it, it. and so by them them doing it plus hearing it, doing it, hearing it, they're, they're picking up little pieces of the puzzle. So maybe, wow, they got their story, Jesus' story down, but they're confused about discipleship. Well, because it's sort of spaced learning, it allows us to go fill in those blanks on discipleship and allows us to pick up on uh, things that we're missing. And um, uh, so as, as we're doing this, the other thing we tied into this is push events. We find, and, and, and we wrestle with this, because, you know, ideally I know that we've got to get this back to the neighborhoods where these where folks live and, uh, and to the apartment complexes they live and to the workplace, and that's where I want them to get to. But there is there is help with an event because when you have an event, you have this. There's a there's a bit of momentum or um, excitement that comes when you go out as a group and do this, and you get that sort of celebration type, you know, atmosphere of wow. You know, it's almost like when you know Jesus sees the disciples come back. He says, "Listen, guys, don't don't celebrate because you know demons have been cast out. Don't celebrate because the dead have been raised and people have been healed and." God's done miracles. He said, celebrate that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You know, and that's a, that's a bit of the way, you know, they're coming mm-hmm. back, sort of celebrating like that. Um, so that, that first touch is the weekly training. The second touch is that we try and have a weekend event. And then the other thing is we try and take them out in the community and have that type of push event. And we find if we can have those three things uh, within about, a say, a six-month period, and space that learning. So it, it really, by then, they are ready for a mid-level. So our, our whole goal this summer has been preparing them for the mid-level because we know when we go into the mid-level is when we're going to start really sort of helping. Some of these folks are going to figure out how to get to generational growth, and then we're coaching them to get there. But the mid-level is going to be where we sort of move back to principle and we begin helping them to understand how they're going to do problem-solving in the community. Because in the end, they have to own this. In the end, they have to start 
solving the problems themselves. We're, we're close to ready for it. It's sort of our next step because I just did a little bit with uh, Pastor Quasi here recently um, walking through some troubleshooting this year. Most of the time when you're stuck on generational growth, it's related to field, it's either field one or field two. You know, so we're either dealing with the who do you share the gospel with or the the gospel. And so we've had people come to Christ, and now we're wanting them to start sharing the gospel. So we're stuck somewhere at that that mm-hmm. realm right now. And and so there's things like, you know, we've trained them within 48 hours, trained everybody to share the gospel, and they've been they've been attempting to do that, working on that. But I think also, because we're in a community, and this is where it's a little odd, we're in a community where there's a, in the South, we have a Christian veneer over everything. And so there's a lot of respect in this community for spiritual things, religious things. So we have this veneer of Christianity, uh, but yet also, you know, loads of lostness, loads of people who have no, no, you know, but they have an idea. And so I think as we're helping this African church disciple in this community, we've got to we got to wade through that veneer and help them move these people to disciple makers. Mm. And right now, that's sort of where we're stuck. We're 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 we've got that veneer of Christianity, and they're excited about what God's doing in the community. They're excited that some people have gotten jobs. They're excited mm. they're starting to see some transformation in the community. But we have to get that community to understand they are the disciple makers. And that's right now what we're sort of missing. So our mid-level has to help us move there, So the, in, in my mind. You know, the, the, the entry-level training gives people sort of skills and experience in, you know, uh, connecting with unreached communities, sharing the gospel, leading people to Christ, foundational discipleship in their home. Um, that sets them up then for that, mid-level experience where you sort of zoom out and say, well, what's it going to take to see a disciple-making movement, a multiplication movement here? Uh, and and that's going to have to be driven by the new believers. That's the purpose. Yeah. You, know, you, you talk about 4G. So how can we get to four generations of new disciples, new groups, new churches? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So your goal as a trainer I mean, you've, you've got an initial goal. We just want them engaged in a community making disciples. But beyond that, you're saying what I really want are 4G leaders who are doing this stuff and have a mind think of, of multiplication movements. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, and, I, and you said it well, because I think the, the barrier all of us run up to at first is, first of all, a lot of times we just don't really, we've sort of explained the way that anybody can come to Christ today. Or, or we're, we're not, don't even think that's possible. Or, or can God really use me or the, the fear factor? So we got to get through that before we can really start thinking about 4G because most people are going, God can't use me. Yeah. You know, God can't mm-hmm. use me to disciple somebody. I don't, I don't have the education. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the ability. So we gotta we gotta remove that. Then we can move towards where we really want to go. Because now, the Africans are convinced God's at work mm. in Charlotte, North Carolina, and and so now we're now we're really set up to where we want to be. But it's 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 taken a little while to get there. So they couldn't you know? really, just like I suppose for other reasons, most of us. 
can't really embrace the idea of of movement because we, in our own experience, we're not seeing lives changed. So you want to get them into the field, see God at work, then uh, say, okay, uh, let's on the basis of what we see do, God doing, let's let's talk about how we could reach whole communities or whole cities, and um, yep. you take them to that that higher level or that that principal level of training, so then they re-engage yep. from a, a movement's perspective. Yeah, and I'm just giving an idea. I've already been talking to Pastor Kwesi and uh, Uru and Koku um, about them being You're, you're just making those leader. names up, aren't you? Uru and Koku <laughs> and Kwesi. <laughs> great names. I wish I were. <laughs> But out, of course, out here we got we got Straw, we got um, Tiny, mm. uh, we got Baba, and they're all brothers. <laughs> and, and that's for real. I'm not making that up. Well, I, um, I just met a brother uh, here in London from Ghana, and uh, his name is Thank God. Uh, yeah. It's a great name. <laughs> anyway, well, so we, I've been talking to these guys here recently. Said um, I want. I want you guys to pray about being the leaders to reach the African community in Charlotte, North Carolina. Because mm. we have Africans from all over. Mm. And But I need you guys to help me mobilize. Let, one, let's find the Christians, train them. But could you help me engage all these communities? we got Rwandans coming in and mm. Somalis coming in and uh, people from all over Africa coming into Charlotte, North Carolina. And now I want you guys to be the movement leaders. Mm. So we're already casting vision with that, and they're yeah. um, they're beginning to embrace the idea that their job is to engage all of the African communities in Charlotte, North Carolina. Because there's, there's obviously no way I can. Mm. And what better way if they catch the idea of movements? They'll they'll move people to be sort of uh, buy in to sort of a CPM or a multiplication. Um, principles much quicker than I will, you know, so it's, it's really the, anyhow, so I think we're, we're, we're poised right there is where we're at right now is we've seen God work, we're excited about what God's doing, and now we're ready to move towards multiplication, and we're also ready to expand our vision, mm. and, and they, they're already talking about taking it back to Africa too, by the way, so it's okay. not, it's not only that it's going to have an impact in Charlotte, they're they're making plans. They are ready to take it back to Africa, to their communities, and train their communities how to do this. And you've got 22 nations in just one church of 40 people. Yes. Okay. And, you know, different people groups within each one of those nations, too. Mm-hmm. So, And they're going to take on the world. That's, that's all we need, just 12. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff, what what else are you you learning about helping you know existing church? Because I know you work with very large churches. You work with churches of forty. Um, anything else that you're learning about you know those of us in existing churches or existing believers? How we can uh, get engaged and and start doing this mm-hmm. stuff and and um, yeah, dis- discover what God can do through you know multiplication movements. Yeah, let me, I want to just walk you through one more sort of scenario um, where where we began with a small group and um, of believers from a local church, 
And, and again, we rolled it out very similar. Um, so first week we, we taught them their story, Jesus story. Now the really, the really amazing thing is with this particular group, the very first week they went out and they led three people to Christ. And, um, and just, you know, out in the community. So I come back the next week and, and we were meeting bi-weekly. And I come back, and they said, you know, they're sharing these salvations and how they got into some houses of peace. And so we were, we were you know, pumped. And so we, we you know, they, we taught them the next lesson, how to do the follow-up. So they're teaching the follow-up. And um, about the sixth weekend, which would be our third lesson, um, I'd already been talking to them about doing a push event. And I'm like, well, y'all don't need a push event. You already went to people to Jesus, you know. Well, they arranged their own push event. So they went out into a community, got Krispy Kreme donuts, uh, went out and just knocked on doors saying, hey, we just want to let you know we love you, care about you. Uh, I'm not so sure they're loving real life by giving away those Krispy Kreme donuts, but I got stock in it, so I'm encouraged them, you know, give away those Krispy Kreme donuts. But they do hurt your belly around the well, uh, growing the tire. I, I don't know if carrot sticks would have uh, opened those doors, though, uh, Jeff. No, it's Krispy Kreme's a solid way to do it. But, yeah. <laughs> um, so they were they were going out, and they of course just would ask, you know, um, how can we pray for the community after they gave this gift? And then they would ask the miracle question, and they they had about seven salvations that weekend. Opened up a few more homes, and immediately we were right back in the same problem. We got too many house of peace to follow up, and not enough uh, workers. Um, and then. We continued doing the bi-weekly training as we were going. And then, again, uh, probably three months in is when this one happened to occur. But So we've already had our weekly training. We've had the, the push events of going out on a weekend. And then we had a Friday-Saturday training. And um, in that Friday-Saturday training, they got to invite some of their fruit to the meeting uh, from the work they've been doing. They also invited other people who got excited. And, and it, it brought in more people to be involved. And so we're just finding over and over again this, this pattern. Um, and, I, and I shared about one of the men last week about Danny, how uh, God used Danny to share his story and Jesus' story to open up a home recently. And, and Danny's big connection for this, and it's the same way we are talking with the Africans, is at, at first sometimes those events really help us get started. But now this was as you go, make disciples. So he, as Danny was going as a contractor, he's sharing his story, Jesus' story, and he gets in a house of peace. And he begins discipling. Uh, this house of peace didn't come to Christ right away, but they're in the process of being discipled with the gospel right now. So, again, we see that transition from the event really helped us hmm. um, to get things going, but then now we're pushing towards lifestyle. Yeah. So we started out... If, mm-hmm. if this makes sense, we started out with lifestyle, go share with your friends, but if you get stuck, let's do the event. Mm. But in the end, we've moved back to where we want to get, which really is lifestyle, because this has to become a lifestyle. And I was talking to Cody Pinkney, pastor of Desiring God Church, and he said this is the area he wrestles with as he's um, really been moving his church forward with T4T, and they have... Um, is the there's a side where you've got to have the events because mm. there's some people who just struggle taking and connecting it to the community, you know, to their own workplace, their home place. So having the event sometimes helps people move forward. 
And so, so you gotta, you gotta have a balance, you know, cause if you're not finding new houses apiece and you've exhausted your oikos, I mean, that's really what we're talking about is if you have no oikos that's lost or you, you're, you know, you just have worn that out, you've got to have some type of event. And that's where a church can help. And that local church has an event and then you get to get a little more buy-in and you create a little bit of celebration. Mm. But again, and, the whole thing is we get yeah. it back to their. The event place. isn't just a training exercise. I mean, new ground, ground is opening up because you know maybe there are no relationships in that community. But you're saying yes. we've we've got a there's a time tactically let's let's do an event. Um, but the end game is that everybody is doing this in their world. When their world has been saturated by the gospel, then events are also help, helpful to break into new ground. Yes. Mm. You know, I, I've learned a lot from uh, one of our guys with Move is in the Solomon Islands, Grant Morrison. And uh, what he's learned is in that culture where, where communities are still reasonably intact... Um, they can um, they can do the event in in someone's community, so he still sends them out to uh, to go two by two, but he just sends them home, <laughs> and they know because uh, there's a lot of unemployment or underemployment that you know friends, family, and neighbours will will be sitting around, and um, yeah. so he's been able to bring that two together. But then he also has his guys that are going by boat into more remote islands or other settlements, uh, and and you know they're looking for the person of peace. Yes. Hmm. Okay. So anything else that you're you're learning? Um. And that's that's sort of the the, yeah. the other piece would relate a little more to this document that I sent you. Hmm. Um, I, you know, I don't really know how to walk through that, but I think the, uh, I guess there's twofold. One is the power of, say, monthly iron on irons in an informal manner within, you know, within a church or within a network is very helpful. So what the other typically one, I, happens, uh, what typically happens in an iron on iron? Well, I think one, you, you know, a normal iron and iron sort of scenario is we're going to we're going to talk about what God's been doing. So we're going to celebrate the things He's done, the successes, where He's moved, what He's done, and um, and again, when you're in a network, you're very tight on your usually on your methodology. So your you know gospel is going to look real similar, discipleship looks similar, the three thirds look similar. So you don't have to ask a lot of questions about that because you know everybody within that network's been trained fairly similarly. But but you got to be asking some of the hard questions, you know. And I, I think one that Chuck Wood has really helped us all think about is on the one side before you really get into the digging into the iron and iron on the methodology side and digging into the the you know the nuances of uh, you know the gospel and who you're sharing with and all those things is he's he's really struck a chord with. Hey, tell me about how you're abiding with Christ. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your walk. Tell me about your prayer life. Tell me how you're doing with your wife, your kids. Um, tell me is how you doing with um, pride, mm. humility, you know, things like that. So he's just really hovered in on that first aspect of 
hey, let's make sure this this person that's moving to a 4G, let's just see how they're doing abiding in Christ. And so he sort of hammers that area of, um, you know, are you spending time in the Word? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you spending time in praying for great-grandchildren? So I, I think that's one of the, the really key things that I've taken away from um, uh, Chuck, because it was, it was interesting. Um, one of the things we're noticing is places that have uh, A-teams, and, and this would be sort of the, the other side of the, the iron and iron, um, the, the A-team is a time where there's somebody you're spending with accountability-wise, and um, they're spending a lot of, they're reading a lot of the Word of God. Uh, their obedience base is still based around the three-thirds process, but it's sort of for your leaders. And so where we're seeing the iron iron done with guys connected to A-teams, the pace of multiplication is increasing, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So the pace of the, the gap between second-gen and third-gen mm-hmm. is actually being sped up. Um, between 18s and iron and irons. So, um, and just to wrap up on the iron and iron, the, the bottom line, once we sort of get through the abiding part is, then you're going to want to get into the nuts and bolts. So we're going to look at our gen map. We're going to look at what God's been doing, but then we're going to start asking hard questions. And um, so we put together a little document to help you ask questions through more or less the four fields process. It's going to talk about vision you know, seeing what kind of vision this 4G leader has. Then asking, you know, are you praying for grandchildren, great-grandchildren? Is that a regular thing you're doing? Are your children in the Lord praying for grandchildren, great-grandchildren? Uh, are your children in the Lord sharing the gospel? Is it a habit? Are they doing it frequently? Um, are they training people with the gospel? So we're asking questions like that that are that are difficult questions, but they they... Either you are or you aren't, you know? Mm. And uh, so it draws out very quickly in that iron and iron sort of where we're stuck as we go through and ask these these hard questions that uh, we don't like to hear because this is taking accountability just on a once a month or every six weeks to another level within a network. So I think this is a really healthy thing. This is one of the other moves we're moving with the African church is we're going to be moving to um, – once a month, we're going to have these mini iron-on-irons, uh, as we talked about. And then the bottom line at the end, what are the two things you're going to go do um, from this interaction with other practitioners, and they've asked you difficult questions, how has the Holy Spirit led you, how has the Holy Spirit directed you to move forward with your disciples in that field? And what adjustments do you need to make? What changes do you need to make? And that's, that's really sort of what we're after and and then we're just, you know, praying the Holy Spirit sets us up mm-hmm. and puts us in the right spot. Um, so anyhow, I think that's a big yeah. thing we're learning is the value of the iron and irons. Um, obviously, we need to have regional iron and irons and nationwide iron and irons. But it's really it's sort of in that mid-level. But having these frequent or once a month, every six weeks, mm-hmm. iron and irons within a network is a really, really healthy thing. Yeah, for people who've done the training and, and uh, so they're, they're signing up for this accountability because they've done the training, they're engaged, they're making disciples, they're thinking from a movement's perspective. Um, but what you're learning through Chuck is, yeah, we need, uh, you know, they've got to go deeper with God and um, 
we've yeah. got to hold one another accountable to, to apply the principles and to keep keep working hard at this. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, it's it, Like I said, it's a little different than the mid-level. We would have regional because you have that more, they know each other better, so you can mm. sort of dive right in a lot quicker. Mm. Um, you know, and, I, and I think the other thing that has to happen there is as we coach it within our network, then that the, the, net, the new networks are developing downstream that have to be coached down into the downstream. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that, but that occurs fairly naturally. Most guys pick up on that, but it can be very intentional to make sure it happens. Hmm. The, the other thing I, I would just, again, I, I can't even remember exactly when this occurred, but um, I, was, I was actually talking to Curtis Sargent, and, and Curtis was talking about um, that they have something similar to A-teams. Um, I can't think of the name or what he calls it, but it's very similar. It's that, hey, you're reading 20 chapters of Scripture a week. Mm. Um, are you obedience-based? Are you abiding the Word? Forgiveness? You know, and uh, you're sharing the gospel, sort of all based on the three-thirds process. And he was sharing that where they're doing that, they're seeing the pace increase. So I, I, as soon as I got done, I knew Chuck was doing A-teams, and so I called up. I said, Chuck, I said, I just talked to Curtis, and he said this. I said, I said, are you seeing this? Because I know you're doing this, and I know a couple other guys are doing this. I said, tell me what you're learning. And Chuck said, you know, we weren't sure. He said, but we suspected this was helping us. And, and here's one of the reasons I think it helps. Um, you know, when you're, when you're a new believer and you're learning one lesson a week, right? Hmm. Um, that's great. You know, and, and of course, you know, Ying and the T for T book, they were challenged people to read three to four chapters a day also. But a lot of times we miss that. You know, so now if you throw in that these folks are also getting one lesson a week, but now they're reading 20, 30 chapters of scripture a week, it's filling in the blanks. Hmm. Some of the things that are missing, in their worldview, it's, mm. it's hitting them. And, and, I, and I'll give you a, a, a case in point. There was a, a young lady who led to Christ, um, and she was wrestling. Uh, she was going through the basic commands, and but she was also starting to read the Word of God. And um, we hadn't really said anything about it. She was living with her boyfriend. We were just discipling her right now and really hadn't said anything. But as she was reading the Word, she came across that, she sort of picked up on this idea that a guy and a girl living together really wasn't seen as a positive thing in scriptures. Mm-hmm. And so she came to our disciple and she said, uh, you know, hey, you know, I'm living with my boyfriend and y'all haven't said anything about this yet, but I just read this in the Bible and um, I'm not sure what to think. I've never heard anything like this before in my life. Mm. And so then the disciple had been waiting for the moment. Yeah. And she just took her aside, and she just began to spend time with her in Scripture. Mm. And so, you know, one thing we got to be reminded is most of the time the Holy Spirit is far ahead of us. Mm. I am not a good convictor. I'm not a good attacker. Well, the Holy Spirit was already working on this young lady, and in the end, he took care of all of it. But I'm convinced it also has to do with she was spending time. She just wasn't having one lesson a week. She was spending time in the Word of God, and that picks mm-hmm. up the pace of obedience. And so that's one of the key parts of the A-team is you're sort of in a male-male, female-female uh, accountability relationship of reading, um, one, reading Scripture more, 
Uh, it's, it's similar to what Neil Cole does with the, um, the LCGs. Is that right? LCGs. Um, so very similar thing. So we're really finding, and we're trying to get that pushed down through the networks because we're sort of catching up with discovering this hmm. uh, via what Curtis said and then seeing what we've learned from um, Chuck that we're trying to apply this through the network. But we really think that this is another key thing why, like, for instance, Chuck has seen such good generational growth as these A-teams. They're picking up the pace of obedience, and we hope as we can keep pushing them down the networks, uh, we'll learn more and more about uh, how this, you know, consuming a lot of Scripture is important in a Christian's life. And so for new believers to consume a lot of Scripture can do nothing but help them. So I would say that's two of the big things that we've, we've really picked up on um, also recently. It's just the, the iron iron and then the, the concept of the A-team. You can visit movements.net for links to Jeff Sundell's resources and also to resources from Chuck Wood. Until next time, Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast.